Hello everyone, it's Jameson Stewart, uh, preach for the Smithville Church of Christ, Smithville, Mississippi. Good to see everybody again this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you will, go ahead and be opening them to the book of 1 Peter. We'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 today, verses 13 through 21. So if you would please go ahead and get your Bibles out this morning if you have not already. And we will be studying our texts from 1 Peter there in just a moment. Last week we spent some time talking about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through verse 12. And we looked at that text and we noticed how Peter, by inspiration, was writing to Christians who were facing very difficult times, very trying times. They were about to go through some very difficult things. And there were four things that he reminded them that they did not need to forget. Those four things that he said, don't forget or don't forget your identity. Don't forget that you belong to God. Don't forget the hope that you have. Don't forget your goal. And don't forget your salvation. So keeping in mind those four things that they needed to remember as they went through their lives, their pilgrimage on this earth, as Peter talked about, those four things they needed to keep those in mind as they lived their life as God's people, and in view of the fact that there were difficulties on the way. So this morning, as we continue on in 1 Peter chapter 1, take your Bibles, and I hope you're there, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through verse 21. So in light of what we have talked about last week, those four things that they needed to remember, Peter then continues those thoughts. All right, so beginning with verse 13. So in light of the things they need to remember, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. First of all, notice in verse 13, in light of what they needed to remember, in light of what you and I need to remember as Christians as we face difficulties now and possibly in the coming days, he says, Here is what we must do. Here is what we must do do. Verse 13, what we must do is really all beginning in the mind. He says in verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind. Or the, Another way that could be translated is prepare your mind for action. Get your mind ready. The, the way that during back during the first century, when the, to those that this was written to, they what they would have worn, the robes that they would have worn, when they would get ready to do something that was going to take a lot of hard work, they would actually kind of gather up their robes that they would wear and tie them up, almost basically turn it into a, a pair of work pants or shorts, if you will. So that's the idea that's presented here is prepare your mind for hard work. Prepare your mind for activity, for action. Get your mind ready. In light of the things you need to remember because you're going to be facing difficulties, get your mind ready. Prepare your mind. 
He also says to be sober. That's the idea of uh, keep yourself under self-control. Have self-control. That also begins in our mind. He then says to rest your hope fully or completely upon the grace, upon the favor that will be brought at the revealing of Jesus. These three things all involved their mind. So he tells them, in light of the things that you are about to face, in light of the difficulties that are soon to be coming your way, prepare your mind for what you will face. Also, as you face each day, keep yourself under control. And then as you face each day, with the difficulties that may come your way, don't forget the hope that you have and the hope that has been fully... Don't forget your hope that's been set fully upon the favor that God will show us when Jesus returns. What we must do then, in light of the things we ought to remember and in light of the things that may be coming our way, is we must prepare ourselves. And preparing ourselves begins in our mind. If we don't prepare our minds, if we don't make an effort to keep ourselves under control, if we don't keep our thoughts set on the hope that we have when Jesus comes back, thinking about that hope that we have, he's already talked about that just a few verses earlier, if we do not keep our mind on those things, then we will be unprepared when difficulties come our way. What we must do begins with our mind, and we must prepare ourselves for what may be coming. So he says, in view of these things, here is what you must do. Get your minds ready. Keep yourself under control, and don't forget the wonderful favor that God will show you when Jesus comes back. So that's verse 13, what we must do. Now, verses 14 through 16, here is how we must do it. So we know what we must do from verse 13. Verse 14 through 16, here's how you do it. He says at the beginning of verse 14, as obedient children. Obedient is the idea there of knowing authority and submitting to it. As obedient children, we know God's authority and we submit to him. We obey him. Why? Because we understand that he is the one with the authority, not us. Therefore, we submit ourselves to him as obedient children. Not only do we know God's authority and submit ourselves to him, but we also know God's love and we cling to him. You think about a child and the relationship that that child or those children have with their father. A good father will show his children that he loves them. And they, in turn, they will know that. And they will cling to their father. A good father, though, will also let his children know that he is to be obeyed. And a good child will know that. And they will submit to that. As obedient children, we recognize God's authority. And we love him. And we cling to him. Now, he goes on. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves 
to the former lust, as in your ignorance. If we conform ourselves, or the idea there is if we mold ourselves to our former lusts, it is if we are still ignorant of God's authority and God's love. He says, you are now Christians. You understand God's authority. You understand God's love. Don't live like you used to live back before you became a child of God when you did not know those things. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, if you will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. There's a very... Paul here in the book of Romans, he makes a very similar statement to what Peter has just said here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul also writing to Christians here. He says, Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be molded to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, as Christians, Paul tells us that. Peter is telling us uh, that here in this text. Both inspired by God are telling us now that you are a child of God, now that you are a Christian, don't go back and be molded to this world. Don't go back and live the way you used to live because now you know the authority of God. Now you know the love of God. Live as an obedient child because you know those things. So don't go back and mold ourselves to the way that we used to live, but instead... He says in verse 15 and 16, we must be holy. And now the word holy, it carries with it the idea of being separate, of being set apart, being set aside for a special or a specific purpose. So we must be holy. We must be set apart in all our conduct. Notice that the text says in verse 15, back in 1 Peter 1, in all your conduct. I believe the King James Version here says, in all your conversation. It would include our speech, but really what that's talking about is our way of life. In everything that we do, everything, every aspect of our lives, we are to be holy. Live a life that is separate, that is set apart for God. Now, we do that, because as he says, as he who called you is holy. Remember we talked about as obedient children. He who called you is holy. Peter refers to the one who has called us. Well, the one who has called us is God. It is our Father. And we are his children. Remember we talked about how as his children, we know God's love and we cling to him. So he says this, he who called you is holy. We know the one who has called us and the love he has for us. And so we want to cling to him. We want to imitate him. We want to be like him in every way that we can. We must be holy in all our conduct because the one who loves us has called us to be holy. But also, we know God's authority. He then says in verse 16, because it is written. 
be holy, for I am holy. And that's taken from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 and 45. Be holy, for I am holy, Leviticus 11, 44 through 45. So he, he references the one who is holy, the one who has called us God, has called us to be holy. We love him, we are his children, and we want to imitate him. But he also refers to his authority because it is written. Referring to something that is written is referring to a standard, referring to a source of authority. So we must be holy in all of our conduct, really because we are trying to be obedient children. We know God's authority and submit to it. And we know God's love and we cling to him. So, Peter here in these few verses, verse 13 through 16, in light of the difficulties that were coming their way, what they needed to do was they needed to get their mind ready, their mind prepared. That was what they must do. And then verses 14 through 16, here is how you do it. As obedient children. And then, in thinking about being holy, maybe a, a natural question then that comes up at this point. Well, why does why is it so important to be holy? As a Christian, why is it so important to live a life that is that is separate, a life that is set apart, a life that is set a, set aside or set apart for a specific reason or purpose? Well, as the text goes on, beginning with verse 17, that question is really answered. Why does being holy matter? Picking up with verse 17, the text says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Why? Why does being holy matter? Well, he really gives us two reasons here in these few verses why being holy matters. First of all, why it matters that we be holy. Verse 17, because everyone, everyone, including Christians, will be judged without partiality by God. Really, until getting into this study and studying for this lesson, I guess I had never really thought about the judgment in this way. Uh, sometimes I think, if we're not careful, what, what I guess comes to our mind is, okay, I'm a Christian, so on the day of judgment, yes, everyone will, will come before God and everyone will stand there and, and we'll all come before God, but those who are Christians, like myself, well, God's going to see us and say, oh, you're a Christian. Well, there's no need for all this. Come on in. Peter says everyone, including, he's writing to Christians, including Christians, will be judged without partiality. There will be no respect of persons with God on the judgment day, even including Christians. The text says, why do we need to be holy? Because everyone, including Christians, will be judged according to their works, according to their deeds, according to what they have done. 
And that reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. If you want to turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. They aren't thinking about the judgment day. Paul once again says something very similar. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Once more, he's also writing to Christians here. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Did you catch what Paul said here? We, writing to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. So, why does it matter that we live holy lives in service to God? Because everyone, including Christians, are going to be judged by what they have done. They are going to be judged without partiality by God. So in light of the fact that even we as Christians will be judged by what we have done, our pilgrimage, our sojourn here on this earth, here we are but straying pilgrims, this little bit of time we have passing through this world, we ought to live our lives, the text says back in 1 Peter, in fear, in reverence of God. Knowing that God is not going to show any partiality to you or me, we ought to live a life of reverence, deep respect for Him. Why should, why should we reverence Him? Well, He is God. But as the text goes on, Peter really follows a specific train of thought. Here's why we ought to reference him. This is really the second point of why does it matter that we live holy lives? Why does it matter that we should live a life characterized by reverence for God? Because, verse 18 and verse 19, because we have been redeemed, we have been bought back, we have been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. God has redeemed us. He has ransomed us, not with, the text says, corruptible things, corruptible wealth. He talked about earlier in the chapter, uh, our inheritance is not corruptible, but it's incorruptible. We were not ransomed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with Jesus' own blood. You know, the idea of being bought back, the idea of being redeemed, it maybe doesn't, the significance of that maybe doesn't stand out to us as much as it would have to these in the first century. See, during the first century, slavery was just everywhere. I mean, that was a fundamental part of the Roman Empire. So people understood what it was to be a slave. There were, there were many Christians who were slaves. And so the idea of someone coming along and redeeming them, buying them back from their owner, was a very dear and precious thought to these people. And they understood just how valuable and how significant that was. God has redeemed us. He has bought us back. Romans 6 talks about that we were the slaves of sin, but we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God 
Not only has he redeemed us, but it's not even like we were worthy of being redeemed. In fact, go go with me to Romans chapter 5, and we find out that God, we have been redeemed, we have been bought back, and we do not deserve it. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 6. The text says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Paul says, you know, some people would, would give their lives for a really good person. Some perhaps would do that. He said, but Christ gave his own blood for us when we certainly, being sinners, did not deserve that. So, why should we live holy lives? Why should we show reverence to God? Why should we live a life of reverence? Consider that we are not even deserving of being redeemed. And realizing that God has bought us back, that price has been paid, and we don't and we do not deserve it, realizing that we ought to reverence the one who has done it. And then the one who has done this, the holy, spotless, pure Lamb of God, Peter then, over the next two verses, back in first Peter chapter one, he tells us a bit more about the Lamb of God. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 with me. So he, he, he has, let's, let's kind of, as you're turning there, let's think about what we've studied so far. There are things that we need to remember, verse 1 through verse 12. In light of the fact that persecution was coming, in light of the fact that difficulties are on the way, there are things you need to remember. And in light of those things that you need to remember, there are some things that you must do. You've got to get your mind ready, and we must prepare our minds for what lies ahead. And the way that we do that, how we do that, is we do it as obedient children to God. And then he talks about part of being obedient to God, obedient children, is that we must live holy lives because God is holy, and because he has commanded us to be holy. The reason why that matters is that everybody, including Christians, will be judged without partiality by God. And the reason why being holy matters is because we have been redeemed, and we did not deserve it. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so with all that in mind, Peter then tells us a bit more about the one who has redeemed us. He said, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or was made known in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. He says the Lamb of God 
Who is he? He's foreordained before the foundation of the world, before the creation. And the point is there is before before the foundations of this world were even laid, before God even started the creation, back in Genesis 1 verse 1, before all of that even began, Jesus knew that he was going to come to this earth and give his precious blood for us. Before he even created us, he knew what he was going to do for us. He was foreordained before the creation. The text says he was made known by his life on earth. John said in John 1 verse 29 and in verse 36, Behold the Lamb of God, in referring to Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. His role as the Lamb of God was made known by his life on this earth. He also, the text says, showed the way to God. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus showed the way to the Father. And he also showed that he, Jesus Christ, is the only way to the Father. There is no other way but him. The text says Jesus raised from the dead after he died on the cross and shed his precious blood. God raised him from the dead. And the text then also says he was given glory by the Father. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority, all power. Matthew 28, verse 18. Now, as we draw our, our thoughts to a close this morning, and as we think about being holy, living lives that are holy, preparing our minds, getting ourselves ready, as obedient children living holy lives, and we think about what Jesus has done so that we can live a holy life, so that we can live a life for God, why did Jesus do all that? Well, the last few words of verse 21 tell us, so that your faith and hope are in God. I want you to think about those two words, faith and hope. And in thinking about some of the difficulties that the first century Christians faced, that Christians throughout time have faced, difficulties that we are facing today, faith, that involves day-to-day -day living. Our faith is what helps us face today. Our hope, well, that's an expectation. That's looking forward to eternal living, eternal life. Our hope helps us face tomorrow. So that our faith and our hope... He's writing to people who are about to be facing some very difficult things, and he says, so that your faith and hope are in God, your faith... And that helps you face right now. That helps you face today. And your hope, looking forward to that hope you will have, that, that favor that God will show when Jesus returns, that living hope that you have, looking forward to that, well, no matter what comes tomorrow, that thought of eternal living with God, that helps me and you face tomorrow. Now, where are faith and hope found? Our text says so that your faith and hope are 
in God. Turn with me, if you will, just a, a couple passages before we close this morning. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and verse 27. Paul here writing to Christians. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Those who have been baptized, how, how, how did they get into Christ? Well, they were baptized into him. The ones who have been baptized into him, they have put on Christ. And we also read in Ephesians 1 verse 3 that all spiritual blessings, which would include faith, which would include hope, all spiritual blessings are found in Christ Jesus. Faith and hope are found in Christ, in the Lamb of God, the one who did all this for you and for me. He sees and he understands what we face today, and he holds tomorrow in his hands. Be holy, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 21. As you've thought about these things, I hope that we will examine our lives. If we are a Christian, and we realize that the life we have been living, we have not prepared our minds. We have not been striving to live a holy life in service to God. Examine yourself. And if you realize that there are areas where you are falling short, then repent and make those changes and live for God. If you're not a Christian, if there are some things we've talked about today that perhaps you have questions about, uh, feel free to contact uh, me. Feel free to contact the, the Smithville Church of Christ Facebook page, and I'll be glad to answer any questions that you may have. I hope that as we go forward in our week that we will continue to look to the Word of God, and I hope that we will continue to lean on and trust in God, that we will continue to keep our faith in God, and that we will continue to keep our, our eyes on the hope that we have in God.